Greetings, everyone. This is Pastor Mike. I'm glad to be with you today. Thanks for joining me. I'm at home in one of the upstairs rooms of my house with my Bible open to John chapter 17, where Jesus is praying. And in verse 20 and 21, he says this, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world will believe that you have sent me. There's a promised blessing in unity. We've been talking about how nothing happens to advance the kingdom of God without fervent, focused, and unified prayer. Here, Jesus prays for all who will believe in him through the disciples' message. That's us. This prayer was specifically for us. And it's similar to a promise that Jesus made earlier in John 13, verses 34 and 35, where he says, A new commandment I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. So two different times, Jesus says, if you love one another, if you love each other, if you live in community with one another in a way that's loving, that reflects the oneness and unity that you have as the body of Christ, people will see God in you corporately. This is God's promise. When we function as the church in unity, there is a promised blessing of his presence that's manifested in such a way that people from outside that group of believers will see. In these passages, unity doesn't necessarily mean agreement, but love. There are two aspects of unity that are important to differentiate. There's love, which brings God's presence. And there's agreement in prayer, which brings power. Both are important for transformation. Love is always the first rule of the fellowship of believers. Jesus said that the application of Scripture is to love God and to love people. All the law and the prophets, he said, hang on these two simple commands. But as we know, they're only simple in concept, not in their practice. We, we spend a lifetime discovering how to live out these two commands. I've seen this worked out over and over again, as I've seen God moving in places where pastors are loving and serving one another in both humility and unity. They're committed to love each other and love their city as one unified group. There may be theological differences, but there's a realization that without God's presence and power, nothing of any consequence is ever going to change in their city. The first place I ever witnessed city transformation firsthand was in La Plata, Argentina. And one of the first things I noticed that stuck with me was how the pastors in the pastor's fellowship practically served and blessed one another. It wouldn't be unusual for the pastor of one church to attend an event at another church or a service just to pray blessings. Philippians 2, 2 through 5 says, 
do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In Argentina, this was a verse I kept hearing over and over again because it was the verse on which they modeled their fellowship. I was greatly encouraged recently in India in talking with a pastor in Andhra Pradesh who quoted the same verse when talking about other pastors in his town where they had recently formed a pastor's fellowship. But whether we are a leader in the church or a member of a church, the Lord has strategically placed believers in churches in every city where believers gather so that together they may reflect the glory of God's character to the community. Jeremiah 33.9 says that Israel, that is the 12 tribes united as one nation, that they were to be a provocation to other nations to want to know Israel's God. Each tribe had an anointing or a gifting that was embedded in their name, Issachar, means wisdom. Dan means judgment. Judah means praise, etc. Together, they were like puzzle pieces that formed a picture of God's character to the world. In the same way, the Lord has strategically placed churches in our communities so that together they may reflect the glory of God's character to the community. If we don't respect the gifting of other congregations, it will be hard for us to discern God's plan for the community in which he's placed us. Some congregations will excel in worship, others in ministering to the poor, others in education. True unity requires diversity as opposed to uniformity. Each one's weakness will be covered by another's strength. Together, they position themselves to receive the blessing that God commands when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. Unity will always call for some kind of death, death to pride, competition, fear, jealousy, and the realization that I cannot accomplish all that the Lord has for me unless I am walking with other believers. God is working through the United Church to bring cities to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. This will only happen as we love one another, be it two or three, 10 or 20, 500 or 10,000, God then brings about the cause and effect that he promises and that only he can do, love one another so that all men will know that you are my disciples, so that the world will know I was sent from the Father. Unity in itself is not the goal. It simply positions us to participate in the divine nature and experience that which he has promised to those who will obey him in faith. Let that be us today, as we look for the opportunities that God places before us to love others in the body. By taking that opportunity, each of us then becomes the answer to Jesus's prayer when he prayed, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world will believe that you have sent me. May we say to that, yes, and amen. Let it be so.